Brazil Reimagined? A Euradio podcast about Brazil's changing territorial, environmental, and agricultural policies. With the voice of those who are working to reconstruct, reimagine, and redivide. From urban to rural, in the Amazon and beyond. This celebration marked the end of an important public hearing in Guajaramirim, a municipality located at the border between the Brazilian and Bolivian Amazon. This small municipality of nearly 50,000 inhabitants, situated in what is perceived to be Brazil's periphery, far away from the country's economic and political power, might seem of minor importance when talking about the reconstruction and reimagination of national policies. Yet, the celebration of the end of the public hearing you just heard was a key moment in the fight for environmental protection in Brazil. It was precisely this small municipality in the north that became the first in Brazil's Amazon biome to recognize the rights of nature. A question people always ask is why do we need to recognize the rights of nature? Isn't it obvious that nature has rights? Of course, it is very obvious for those who are already connected to nature and who did not lose this ancestral knowledge. Someone who played an important role in the preparation of this hearing is Vanessa Hassan, whose voice you just heard. Vanessa is a lawyer specialized in environmental protection and one of the few consultants working on the implementation of the rights of nature in Brazil. In 2004, she founded the NGO MAPAS to advocate for the implementation of the rights of nature in Brazil. While already back home in Sao Paulo, Vanessa explained to me why recognizing the rights of nature is so important and how these rights so radically differ from already existing environmental laws. The basis of the rights of nature are cosmovisions, or we can also call it culture if you prefer. It is based on the way of life and the way of relating to others, human and non-human, that the indigenous people have preserved. They have preserved it through tradition, because at a certain moment in time, we were all indigenous. Our ancestors are indigenous. Then we also had this knowledge. We were intuitively connected to this way of life, which is a way of life that interrelates with all other human and non-human beings, that recognizes the principle of parenthood, the interdependence that exists between all other beings. So, that this is the basis of the rights of nature. It is a radical change from environmental law. It is overcoming this anthropocentric perspective in environmental law. Environmental law is still a fruit of how it emerged historically. 
It looks at environmental issues, at nature, out of the fear for scarcity of raw materials that were later called natural resources. So the basis of environmental law, which is also the basis of sustainability, is to maintain so that we can continue using natural resources, the present and future generations. It is based on the principle that nature is something useful. It looks at nature as a thing, an appropriable thing, and because it is appropriable, it has a useful economic value. So the ultimate goal is to use nature for the benefit of the human being, to preserve for the benefit of the human being. This is an anthropocentric perspective. As Vanessa explained, instead of starting from this anthropocentric perspective, the rights of nature starts from an ecocentric perspective, as still applied by indigenous communities. According to this perspective, humans are not dominating nature, but instead there is a horizontal relationship between humans and nature. Humans are part of nature instead of controlling it. Ecosystems and natural communities are not merely seen as property, something owned by humans, but as entities that have independent rights. Rivers, forests, oceans, according to this legal concept, they can have rights too, independently from human interests. You are the child, and that land out there, that earth mother of yours is your parent. No human owns your mother. This is quite a radical change from environmental law and a vision which only recently became implemented in municipalities worldwide. Only in 2006, Tamaqua Borough in Pennsylvania, the US, became the first municipality to recognize the rights of nature. The land is not real estate. You own real estate. That there is land and nature and nobody owns that. In Brazil, the rights of nature were for the first time enacted in 2018 by the municipality Bonito in the southeast of the country. In Guajaramirim, it was the Laje River that got its rights recognized. How crucial this is for the local communities that depend on this river was underlined during the public hearing. This preservation of nature, of the river, taking extra care of the river, because for us, indigenous peoples, the river is our source of subsistence. As an indigenous woman and as a mother, I make a request to the councillors to accept this proposal here because the right of nature is our right too. The proposal to recognize the rights of the Laje River is fruit of the project Convida, led by experienced environmental activist and project coordinator Iremar Antonio Ferreira. My name is Iremar Antonio Ferreira. I work for the Madeira Vivo Institute that I'm currently coordinating. We also created the Committee for the Defense of Life in the Amazon in the Madeira River Basin, Convida, an initiative that was consolidated in 2016 with the organization of the borderless meeting in Guajaramirim between Brazil, 
Bolivia, and Peru. During this meeting, we also discussed climate change. We are supported by the Climate Change and Environmental Justice Forum. The Committee for the Defense of Life in the Amazon in the Madeira River Basin, in short, Convida, for life, has the objective to support life in the Amazon region, to support living beings in a basin of the Madeira River that stretches from Brazil to Bolivia. Quite a broad objective, it seems, but at the same time one that needs to be defended in the entire Amazon biome. Because with continued mining and extractive activities and agricultural expansion that comes with the intensive use of pesticides, there are only few places in the Amazon biome where life, the way of life of traditional communities and the persistence of entire ecosystems has not become under threat. To defend life and to support the protection of the Amazon biome, Convida has been implementing a diverse range of activities, supported by German development organization Miserior. 
From support to local farmers producing in a sustainable way, to the installment of solar energy systems, to sensibilization and education projects to raise awareness about the importance of protection of rivers and forests. When I followed Convida's activities back in March, just before the public hearing, they were about to visit a school in an indigenous community to discuss the far-reaching impact of soy production on the quality of the water flowing through the nearby river. Muitos me tá Aonde tem muita soja. Many are dying where there's a lot of soy, and the soy, as the medicine man said, is getting very close to here, and there's more coming. E ainda tem mais. O Emblem lembrou a gente lá no caminho. Olha aqui, o que que eles estão rasgando a terra fazendo ali? We were reminded in the road coming here. Look, they're tearing up the land, making a big hole there. So why are they making that hole? They're pulling water from the ground. And what if they use poison there, in that place where the water is passing by? But first and foremost, the project emerged from the necessity to protect the local rivers in light of the potential construction of a new hydroelectric dam in Cachuela Esperanza, Bolivia, close to the Brazilian border. From then on, we continued with an action that we had been working on since 2014, but in a more structured way. The trigger was a lawsuit for binational compensation for all the damage caused by the great floods in 2014, which were due to hydroelectric dams. Of course, the rain was also a factor, but the dams delayed the flow of the waters, causing floods in the entire area at both sides of the borders. On the Bolivian side, there were even people dying, besides the many animals that died and all the damage that was caused, just like on the Brazilian side. One of the biggest existing dams in the region that also causes the biggest harm to the ecology of the Madeira River is the Santo Antonio Dam close to Porto Velho, Rondonia. A hydroelectric power plant and dam only recently installed in 2012, despite objections from the local communities. The construction of Santo Antonio led to a decline in fishing stocks, an important source of food for traditional communities, and supposedly contributed to the emergence of the floods in 2014. When I visited the aldea of the Caratiana people back in February, leader Elivar Caratiana already mentioned how the Santo Antonio convinced the Caritianas to agree with the construction of the dam, making anti-promises that were never fulfilled until today. The situation with the Santo Antonio hydroelectric plant is disappointing. During the public hearing, several leaders, including my late uncle Antonio Garcia and my father-in-law Sisi, were present. Many of these leaders have already left us. At the beginning of the installation of the plants, many wonderful promises were made to the indigenous population, including the Caritiana, Caripuna and Casupa peoples. However, to date, we have not received any benefits. It's unacceptable. Once again, the large private company hired by the federal government comes and tells us that the benefits will reach the indigenous population through the plant. 
but this does not happen. My uncles have already passed away, and I wonder if I too will die waiting for these benefits. There was even a public hearing with a judge here in the village, and we are waiting. The judge promised that he would resolve the issue, but so far nothing has happened. So what do we do? We no longer trust any company that comes to offer us proposals. It is not the first time that the construction of a hydroelectric dam caused controversy and conflict in Brazil. The most famous case was the building of the Belo Monte Dam in the midst of the Amazon rainforest in 2010, the world's fourth biggest hydroelectric project. Besides the significant socio-environmental harm to the Chingu River and the indigenous communities living beside it, the construction of the dam mired in controversy over corruption also led to a major breach in the confidence of indigenous communities and a dam leftist government led by Dilma Rousseff. The consequences of the potential construction of this new hydroelectric dam in Bolivia are not bound by borders. That is why Iremar's organization joined forces with partner organization OCMA in Bolivia. In Guajaramirin, Bolivia, on the other side of the river, I talked to Erlan Domigas Noco, representative of OCMA. To build a hydroelectric dam is to undermine local economic development in the region. The challenges to prevent the construction of the new dam are many. However, OCMA does not give up, thereby also mobilizing the local communities living alongside the river, whose income is mainly dependent on fishing. Well, actually, at least in my very personal opinion, I don't know about the other colleagues, but we are trying to prevent the construction of the dam, and I'm convinced that we can win. I mean, many people say they're dreaming, they're crazy. But honestly, when they come, whether they're Chinese, Russians, Americans, when they come, we would set everything on fire if we need to. We would explode everything if we need to. I mean, as a last resort. But in other words, we're not going to let them. If we have to go down, if we need to die right here, then it is for a reason. That's our position, let's say. And we've been putting this message through with that energy as well, trying to organize ourselves for that moment. So I think that's what gives us, let's say, the possibility, the strength to stay firm. It is not going to happen. Because something happens first when you accept it, and second when you're afraid because fear already defeats you. So I think it's the key that the committee, let's say, transmits a message along these lines. And well, in Bolivia, we've always been characterized as being rebellious, as guerreros. It may be this that does block our development, but well, it also gives us the margin to live in certain freedom. The so-called rebellion of the Bolivian people, or as Iremar Ferreira on the other side of the border describes it, a strong protest culture, which sometimes also leads to friction between the sister organizations, can help to strengthen the movement against the construction of the dam at both sides of the border. Because fighting against the big corporations which would construct the dam is not easy. 
Na região de Porto Velho, mesmo sem In the Porto Velo region, questioning the construction of the dams was already difficult because the companies used interdicts against us so that we wouldn't enter the regions of interest to them. They prevented us from entering certain areas, but in this area, it's even more complicated because of a much stronger element than that. But there is direct crime, organized crime, directly linked to the people involved. As Iremar described it, while fighting for life in the Madeira River Basin, they are fearing for their own. But step by step, cross-border, the neighboring organizations succeed to create awareness about the potential environmental impacts of the construction of the dam, to mobilize the population and to question the authorities, something that was not the case at the time of the construction of the Santo Antonio in Porto Velho when there was almost no access to information about the construction and almost no one went on the streets to contest. As Okma representative Erlan explained, this cross-border collaboration to fight against regional environmental issues is crucial. They've always tried to create a division between the countries, between the states, talking about nationalism. But even in this context, we should be acting together in the Amazon region to fight for the right for life, to continue living, which is one of the most fundamental things that exists. To fight for life, for the right to continue to live, for the well-being of all living creatures in the Amazon biome, a common objective which might sound more than logical, but in practice can be extremely difficult. Recognizing the rights of nature as independent entities is an important step in the right direction. As Iremar underlined, it is a victory not only for nature, but also for the local communities who depend on her. And important advancements are made in all Latin America. As Vanessa underlined, Brazil in this case can learn from other countries that already adapted the rights of nature in their national legislation. In 2008, Ecuador became the first country worldwide to recognize the rights of nature in its national constitution. Desde 2008, con la constitución, el Ecuador reconoce los derechos de la naturaleza. Los derechos de la naturaleza son garantías para protegerla y preservarla. And in 2010, Bolivia's Legislative Assembly passed the Law of the Rights of Mother Earth. El cuidado de nuestro planeta comienza por reconocer que no nos pertenece, que todos los seres vivos pertenecemos a la Sagrada Pachamama, y que para vivir en armonía con la naturaleza, tenemos que aprender a respetar los derechos que tiene nuestra Madre Tierra, como un ser que depende de un delicado equilibrio. In 2018, the Colombian Supreme Court recognized the Colombian Amazon as a subject of rights, a fruit of the fight of Colombian youngsters from all parts of society. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vanessa, Iremar and other lawyers and activists continue to advocate for the implementation of the rights of nature in municipalities across Brazil. Rights that can be referred to and secured, independent of economic interests. For example, to defend forests from approaching soy fields, or to defend rivers for potential harm caused by dams. In October this year, Brazil will host its second forum on the rights of nature in Bahia, in the east of Brazil. But just recognizing nature's rights in law is not enough. Além do mais, 
Os direitos da natureza eles são muito mais alinhados a Overall, the rights of nature, they are much more aligned to the culture of peace. The idea is to rescue life in harmony with nature through judicial processes. However, as author Roberto Esposito underlines, these are not isolated processes. They have to be seen within a context. So I believe that the developments in the pedagogical sphere and the developments related to strengthening affirmative public policies are crucial to make laws work. Programs and public policies that may strengthen and foster agroforestry programs. Ecological tourism programs, in short, Activities that are effectively aligned with respect for the rights of nature. And in the educational field, it is very important to awaken this awareness, to awaken the consciousness that we are nature. This in addition, of course, to effective education policies, educational programs that aim to reinsert the human being in nature and no longer separate the two. Instead of saying, Don't go in there because you spoil nature. We should say, enter and feel how you belong to nature. As Vanessa explained, it also requires a change in policies, funding to be able to actually defend nature from being exploited, and education efforts to create awareness that life only continues to exist when nature's rights are respected. Independent of how much the political change will actually bring about change on a local level, the latter is already done by Convida in Brazil and Bolivia to defend the forest that is not bound by borders. Amazonas, 
for listening to this fifth episode of Brazil Reimagined, a podcast series produced for EU Radio. Interviews for this episode were conducted in Guajara-Merim, Brazil, and Guajara-Merim, Bolivia, between February 28th and March 3rd, 2023. With special thanks to the Convida Committee, who invited me to follow them on their journey and their fight for life in the Amazon biome. The music you hear during this episode from the beginning to the end was Un Sonho, by Nassau Zumbi, Apague o Apagao de Consciencia, by Irmar Antonio Ferreira, and Amazonas by Calamarca. The next episode of this series will be available in September. Thank you for listening. <music>